Hello. Thanks for tuning in to the Saturday Night Supper Club podcast. This week, we're welcoming back Carla Swanigan for our February sermon series, Love Like Jesus. She's sharing a message called, What's Love Got to Do With It? I can't wait for you to hear it. So uh, we're going to get into it. Um, So what does love have to do with being a Christian? What does love have to do with our faith as a believer? And why is love so important? Our scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, so now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Why is love the greatest? Why not faith? Faith's kind of a big deal. Or hope. But it's love. Here's a few verses about love in the Bible. Um, There's one, I didn't put it on the PowerPoint because I really wanted to read it to you from the Passion Translation because you know how I feel about that translation. I'm having a love affair with it. Um, In John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. So I give you now a new commandment. Love each other just as much as I have loved you. For when you demonstrate the same love I have for you by loving one another, everyone will know that you're my true followers. Love is what shows the world that we are his. That our relationship with the creator of the universe is real, that it's authentic, and that it's true. 2 John 1.6 tells us to walk in love, and 1 Peter 4.8 says to echo God's intense love for us, for love is the canopy that covers a multitude of sins. I think that's such a beautiful verse. Love shows the world what Jesus looks like. Compassion, forgiving, kind, and merciful. So you see, Christianity is all about love at the core. One of the most famous and well-known verses from the Bible is John 3.16. A lot of us know that. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Even unbelievers know that verse because it's like all over the NFL. Like when you go to a stadium or when you go to a basketball game, it's hanging on those big banners. Um, But I think maybe as Christ followers, sometimes... We're so familiar with that verse that it loses its impact on us. It loses its powerful meaning because we've heard it so much and we've become so familiar with it. You know, think about the first time that somebody told you they loved you. Whether it was a romantic interest or just a dear friend telling you that they loved you. Do you remember how that felt? Do you remember how it felt in your belly? how it felt so good and warm to your soul, how special it made you feel. But after time, that same person that you're in a relationship with, saying it over and over, kind of loses some of its punch. Those butterflies may eventually start going away. Starts getting real, I don't know, familiar. It's the same with that verse from John 3.16. God loved us so much that he sent his son to earth to rescue us from our sin and return us to relationship with the Father. That's amazing. That's amazing 
That verse is so powerful. There's a reason it's the verse all over the world that people hang on banners and put in football stadiums. Because of love, his love for us, you know, love is the ultimate motivator. You know, it's Valentine's Day soon. A lot of people are out tonight, the weekend before Valentine's Day. It's coming up on Tuesday. It's a day for declaring and showing your love, a day for romance and passion. Some people feel like Valentine's Day is just a made-up holiday for the card companies and the candy companies and the flower businesses. But for other people, it's a day to remember, a day to remind their loved ones how much they mean to them and how much they love them. It tells us in 1 John 4, 7 and 8, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God, excuse me, anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. He is love. And then in 1 John, a little further down at 4, 16 through 19, so we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love, and whoever abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. By this is perfect love perfected, wait, sorry. By this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment because as he is so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. So you see, it all does begin with love. God is love. And this isn't on the PowerPoint slide, but I wanted to share it with you. It's Jeremiah 31, verse 3. It tells us that the Father loves us with an everlasting love. And that was really a, a verse that the Lord's been highlighting to me for this message. I did a word study in my Hebrew-Greek study Bible on those two words. And everlasting is, is pronounced in the Greek olam. And some synonyms for that are never-ending, eternity, and always. It's a masculine noun meaning a very long time. <laughs> the word usually refers to looking forward, but many times expresses the idea of looking backward as well. A time beyond this temporal sphere, especially used when regarding God. That's what everlasting means. And then the word love, as it's used here in this verse, is the Greek word ahaba, which is a feminine noun meaning love. And I thought that was really interesting, a masculine noun and a feminine noun together. The word often signifies a powerful love between a man and a woman, also God's love for his people, and frequently it's associated with forming a covenant which enjoins loyalty. And that kind of sounds like marriage to me, right? Covenant, loyalty, faithfulness. Um, speaking of marriage, John and I are coming up on our 17th wedding anniversary. Yeah, just a couple of weeks away from that. We've actually been together for 20 years, and um, I'm super excited about our anniversary. At the beginning of our dating relationship, you know, when we first met and we were first dating, I would have done anything for him. Does anybody else know what that's like, new dating it's like, oh, you want me to drive to Colorado Springs in the middle of the night? No problem. I'll do that. I would love to. I'm not sleepy at all. 
I would, uh, I would stay up late when we were first dating. He worked out at an Air Force base. He was in the Air National Guard. He was a F-16 crew chief. And he would work, I think he would get off work around 9 or 10 o'clock at night. And I, after having worked my full 8 or 10 hour day, and I was a single mom, so I'd been taking care of my little guy after work, and I would get him in the bath and get him put to bed. And then John would come over about 10 o'clock at night and then have dinner ready, you know, just as if it was 6 o'clock at night. I would stay up and wait for him and make him a full dinner, and um, I didn't care. I just wanted to see him. I wanted to be with him. I wanted to demonstrate my love and affection for him by cooking for him and by staying up late in spite of the fact that I was super sleepy. Here's a um, picture of our wedding day. That's right after um, we got married. Yes, (laughs) believe it or not. So that's 17 years ago. So I was so in love with him, you guys. Um, and you know how it is when you have a new love? Even if, you can, even if you've never been in love yet, if you've never experienced that, you can also relate it to when you have a new job and you're trying to impress your boss and you're excited about going to work every day. You wake up and it's all you think about. You can't wait to get there. You can't wait to interact with your coworkers and do a good job and get all that validation. And it's the same way in a new relationship. You can't wait to see them. You can't wait to make them happy and and see what they're going to say to you. And you're telling everybody about it. Like I told all my friends and everybody at work, I'm in love. I'm dating this guy. It's so awesome. He's so great. Let me tell you about him until people were nauseated, right? Um, Because I was in love and I wanted everyone to know. So now here's what's happening in this picture. This is our, this is seriously like within 15 minutes of our finishing our vows before we went into our reception is when this picture was taken. And here's what's going on in this picture. I'm saying in my heart, oh, John, I love you so much. I'll do anything for you. I love you. You won't ever have to lift a finger. You're so great. You're the best. I'm just so excited to be with you. And John's like, oh, no, I love you so much. You're so great. I'll do anything for you. You won't ever have to do anything for me because I'm going to do it all for you. That's what's going on in that picture. But also, (laughs) my mom, this is so funny, instead of saying, oh, Carla, like I'm saying, oh, John, he's saying, oh, baby, because he never calls me by my name, which drives my mom nuts with her southern manner. She's like, "Um, I don't think he knows your name. Like, she said that to me the week before my wedding. He always calls you baby. I'm like, Mom, that's a term of affection. He loves me. So we're totally in love. We're totally into each other. Everything is hunky-dory. But now, oh, Lord Jesus, help me. If he even asks me to get him a glass of water, he gets the eye roll, the sigh, the shoulders. Are you serious, babe? You can't get your own water? But in that picture, I was like, I'll do anything for you. And now I complain if I have to walk to the refrigerator and get him a glass of water. The love that we have in the beginning of a relationship is super powerful, right? Super powerful. It all begins with love, and it all ends with love, too. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn in your Bible to Revelation chapter 2. We're also, I think, going to have it on the slide, yeah. Um, Jesus is speaking with John, who's in exile on the Isle of Patmos. Um, John the Beloved, we call him. We call him that because he always said, 
I am John, the one that Jesus loves. So there's that love, again, there associated with Jesus. Um, Jesus is actually in his first speaking um, about and to the church in Ephesus. To the angel of the church in Ephesus write, The words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven gold lampstands, I know your works, your toll, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love that you had at first, that first love. You know, like I said in the beginning of our relationship, um, John and I would stay up all night talking to each other, and, you know, you don't care if you're sleepy the next day or you have a sleep hangover at work. Um, We could talk for hours in the beginning, getting to know each other, um, enjoying each other's company, and just being together. But now... um, John's job has changed a little bit. He, he owns a company, and instead of being out in the field, now he's just going to manage the company. So he's going to work from home. So that started around the first of the year. And do I have any retirees? Any retire? Okay. So um, that's a change of your world. Everything changes, um, especially for me. I had a little schedule. I got up in the morning and I had my coffee in the sunroom alone. And then I would go and take the kids to school and do whatever I had to do, chores. Did that alone. Then I would come home and maybe have some awesome God time in the sunroom. And I would do that alone. All my ministry planning and my calls and any kind of schedule, stuff that I had to do for the ministry, I would do all that during the day in the sunroom alone. But now, John is home all the time. And he is hanging out with me all the time. Um, It has been quite a change. And as I was standing at the stove the other night cooking dinner, I was actually grumbling about it under my breath to the Lord. I don't ever get any alone time anymore, Lord. Oh my gosh, he's always here. He's always talking to me about what I'm talking about on the phone. And he's always putting his two cents. He's always here. I'm never alone. Where's my alone time? I need some space, Jesus. And the Lord so sweetly replied back to me, Do you remember the beginning, Carla? Do you remember how you wanted to be with John all the time? How you would actually, like, play hooky from work some days just so you could be with him? I would pray for a snowstorm so that I didn't have to go to work and we could hang out together all day. And the Lord was like, do you remember how you felt in the beginning when you were with him? How in love you were? You need to remember that first love again, Carla. You need to remember. And that's what I sense the Lord is saying to us tonight, too. Do you remember your first love? Do you remember how it felt when you met Jesus? Do you remember when you first realized that Jesus was real and he was actually pursuing you? Do you remember that fire in your belly and that passion 
in your heart, how you wanted to tell everybody about him and you couldn't stop talking about him and you wanted everybody to know, and how you told Jesus that you would do anything for him. And you meant it. I remember the night that that all happened for me. Um, Some of you may know my testimony, but I remember when a lady prayed for me and I realized that Jesus was real and that he loved me in spite of all my sin. And not only did he love me, he wanted to be with me. He was still pursuing me. I remember how that felt. I remember how um, excited I was. I remember leaving that church meeting after that prayer time and telling the Lord, you are real. You're real. Oh my goodness. And I remember saying to him, I'm all in. I'll go wherever you want to send me. I'll do whatever you call me to do. I just want to be with you all the time. I remember saying, I want to feel like this forever. I would sit in my sunroom for hours before and after work, just talking to him, just wanting to feel his presence, just wanting to be with him. I was so excited at the beginning. But like it says in verse 3 of that verse in Revelation, sometimes we can grow weary. The trials and tribulations of life on this earth with other human beings, that can wear us down. It can make us real tired. And it can make us forget that first love that we had with Jesus. Would you put that marriage slide back up? Just like in my marriage with John, I can become familiar and complacent, taking John for granted. And I can forget why I said yes that day in the first place. I can forget all the reasons that I said yes. 1 Corinthians 13 one through three. I'm going to read it from the Passion again. If I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with the profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed an ending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but have never learned to love, then I am nothing. You guys, love is everything. Love is what it's all about. It's not about our works. It's not about our good deeds. It's not about our righteous, sinless behavior. It's all about love. It's all about Jesus who is love, personified. I challenge you right now to remember that, to remember that first love of Jesus, the way you felt when you first met him, when you said yes to him. Like Jesus asked us in Revelation chapter 2, will you return to your first love? Will you remember? Let me pray for you guys. Father God, 
Thank you so much for everything that you spoke to us tonight, Lord. Thank you for touching our hearts and reigniting that first love. We say yes to you again, Jesus. We would do it all over again. We love you, Lord, and we say yes. We return to you, Jesus. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, I break off all familiarity, all boredom, all complacency. Lord, I pray that you would fill us with fresh fire, fresh passion for our first love, Jesus. Romance us again, Lord. Romance us again. Stir up our hearts again with our first love. Fill us with your pure, perfect love, Lord. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that we would be conduits, that we would be powerful conduits, Jesus, for your love to others. Lord, I pray that you would fill us so fresh and so full, Lord, that we would literally not be able to contain it. And just like when we first met you, Lord, we would tell everybody that we meet about our sweet Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would put a contagious fire in all of us tonight, right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, just put a contagious fire in us for you, Father, that we would be attractors for you, that the world would see that our relationship with you is all about your love and about your goodness. We love you, Jesus. We give you all the glory, God, in your mighty powerful and loving name Jesus Christ we pray Amen, Amen. Bless you guys Thanks again for listening to the SNSC podcast We're thrilled every time Carla speaks If you want to hear more from her she has her own podcast She has a bunch of material on her website, and she can even be booked for speaking events. I encourage you to check out carlaswanigan.com, that's Carla with a K, and you'll find all of her material there. We hope that you listen again, and if you're in the Castle Rock, Colorado area, we'll hope that you swing by on a Saturday night to have dinner with us, fellowship, worship with us, and hear an amazing message from one of our speakers. Have a great week.